Are the Atlanta Braves this good as the team to beat, not just in the National League, but in all of baseball? Plus the latest development regarding the future of Rays shortstop Juan DeFranco. The Jets signed Dalvin Cook to be a big part of the run game for Aaron Rodgers and his offense. Have the pressure and expectations to win this year gone up a notch or two? I'll also take a look around some training camps with signings, injuries, and starting quarterback nods as we're now just three weeks to the start of the NFL season. We're just a minute or two away from kicking off another action-packed, fast-paced podcast to close out another week. It's all coming up, but first, this message. Jay Reels here, just passing by to send a brief reminder to please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, the Jay Reels Podcast, on wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's on Apple, Google, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Luminary, CastBox, all of the major platforms that are out there, whichever one that you listen to, once again, just throw me a few stars, write a review. I would greatly appreciate it just to increase the visibility of this podcast with all the others that are out there, especially this one, which covers all sports in roughly one hour. Where else are you going to get that? So if you can go ahead and please do that, I would sincerely and gratefully appreciate it. And with that said, let's get it. The J Reels Podcast begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Let's get this sports podcast party started, all right? The J Reels Podcast. Why don't you wait until July 1st to make an announcement? What a disgrace. He can rack up all these numbers in October, November, and December, but what really counts is let me see this in January. Sports Rebel Without a Pause, delivering fast-paced, jam-packed sports talk like no other. Listen, I gotta call it as I see it, he is not a good player. I'm sick and tired of having to deal with the disappointment of this franchise. When does it stop? And yes, another winter that I can sleep in peace. Coming correct, direct, and in full effect. Let's get it. This is the J-Rules Podcast. Welcome aboard. What is happening, my good people? Greetings. How are you? How's it going? How's everybody doing out there? What is the latest and greatest? Hope everybody's doing well, feeling fantastic, in excellent spirits. Smack dab in the middle of the month as we're just two weeks away. Think about this, people. Two weeks from tomorrow is September. And then we have Labor Day. I don't even want to think about it. Summer is starting to slip through the cracks as we inch closer to not only September, but the fall season Pumpkin lattes, everything that has to do with Halloween. Oh, geez. I don't even want to think about it. Let's just think about right this very moment as another podcast is about to come your way as I encapsulate everything that's happening in the sports universe. This is the J Reels Podcast with your host, J Reels. For my first timers, welcome aboard. And for those who've been banging with me going back to the very beginning, somewhere in the middle or even as early as this past Monday, I welcome you guys and gals back. And we just have a few things to get to. A couple of sports, nothing in the NBA, nothing in the NHL, college football is still two weeks away. As we get closer to that, of course, I'll unravel or have a college football preview, which may not be much to talk about, because I'm sure we're going to get to the usual suspects as teams that will fight for the Final Four, which will be the last time in this particular format that we'll see the Final Four when it comes to college football, because as we know, next year we'll have the expanded playoff 12 teams, 1 through 4 will be buys, 5 through 12 will duke at it where we'll get to a quarterfinal, semifinal, and of course a national championship, but that's for down the road. Let's get right here and now to what's going on And baseball. We have to look at what's going on in Atlanta with the Braves because here in New York, as we've seen over the last six days, with the Braves 
eviscerating the Mets the way they did over the weekend. And granted, the Mets did win the Sunday night game 7-6. to six. They had to hang on for dear life as they had a 7-4 lead. And then Matt Olson and company made it close. Had the Mets fans sweat a little bit as they were embarrassed throughout the whole weekend. And knowing that at least to save some face and salvage some pride that the Mets were able to go ahead and get the final game of that series. But now as we get into the week, and with the Yankees going to Atlanta after their tails between their legs in Miami, especially on that Sunday afternoon game where they gave up five runs in the ninth to lose 8-7, and nobody in their right frame of mind, and I said this on Monday, felt that if the Yankees win one game, it was going to be a, maybe not a moral victory, but I'm sure they would have taken it. But the embarrassment for the New York baseball teams continued because what you saw there over the three-game stretch between the Braves and Yankees was an 11-3 thrashing there on Monday night. And then the Yankees, get ready for this, mustered five hits in two games, one hit on Tuesday by Bryce Elder and relievers. And yesterday, Charlie Morton with six innings and 10 strikeouts combined with three more relievers with only four hits. The Yankees couldn't scratch out one run over the final two games to where the Atlanta Braves dusted off the Yanks, sent them packing back home, tail between their legs yet again as they have the Red Sox coming to town. But this is about the Braves at the moment, which brings up the question, is this team that good? Now we know the recent competition, the Mets have pretty much packed it in. They're playing out the string and looking ahead to 2024. And the Yankees... They're on the verge of doing that as well. So we could take a look at these last five, six days and think that the Braves, as dominant as they've been, and during that seven-game stretch, they've thrown four shutouts. Think about that. Now, we know the Met offense is from hunger at times, and the Yankee offense has been out to sea for whatever the reason, even with Aaron Judge back in the lineup. But this Brave team that has the best record in the sport, 78-42, and flying high in an NL East that you might as well just give them the division as we speak here on August the 17th. Let them raise it to the top of the flagpole there and get their pitching aligned for the division series. What will that be? October the 6th off the top of my head? So with all that being said, is this team that good? Now we know the cast of characters. We know they have an MVP candidate and a one- Ronald Acuna Jr. You could even say Matt Olson is also up for the MVP as well. And it's probably going to be between either one of those two guys and Freddie Freeman out in LA, a former Atlanta Brave, I might add, as the front runners to win the award as the best player in the National League. But we know who the position players are. We know their recent pedigree winning a World Series two years ago. Yes, we even saw last year how they stole the division from the Mets and they earned it but then petered out in the division series against the Phillies who went on to win the National League pennant. And who knows if this is going to be a year where removed from a World Series and obviously last year a bitter disappointment for them to overtake the Mets and then lose in four games, not even pushing it to a fifth game in their building to see whether or not they would go on to the NLCS. But you would think everything is aligned and primed for the Atlanta Braves to get back to a World Series and win the whole thing. And can you say right now at this very moment that if they don't do that, it would be a huge disappointment to layer what happened last year? Of course, it's easy to say that right now. But until I see them play better opponents, 
And we get it that the National League, other than the Dodgers, maybe the Brewers, and I would say even the Phillies, considering what they did to the Braves last year. And I'm sure they're going to be chomping at the bit if those teams do meet in October yet again. But I would think this is the Braves' year for them to lose. Because based on what we've seen here, they've been mashing the ball left and right. They have, what, 230 home runs as a team. They're about to be on pace to eclipse what the Minnesota Twins did a few years back when they set the Major League record for most home runs by a team in a regular season. I believe they're four ahead of that. The Twins hit 307 home runs, and the Braves, I think, are on pace for 310, maybe 311 at this point. So we know that they could mash with the best of them, and I'm talking about all time. But it's not going to stick until they win a World Series. And yes, the pitching, although it's starting to come back into play here, when you have Max Fried, who had been on the show for well over three months, and we saw him pitch there the other night against the Yankees on Monday, and he to me, in my eyes, is a Cole Hamels 2.0. That's the guy I see when I watch Max Fried pitch. Live fastball, good curveball, slider. The guy has all the tools as the ace of that staff. But the starting pitching and the bullpen, although has been rock solid over the last couple of years with guys like A.J. Minter and even Rysel Iglesias, who has a track record, but we haven't really seen him in a big spot And granted that last year when they brought him over from the Angels in the middle of the season and did contribute down the stretch and a little bit even into October. But as I mentioned, their October was only four games long. So we never saw Iglesias with the bright lights on him having to get that lockdown save 4-3, top of the ninth, coming in to save a game one just to paint a little scenario there. And we could look at the rest of their starting rotation. No Kyle Wright, who won 21 games last year. Bryce Elder, who we saw there a couple nights ago. But is he going to be ready for a game two, maybe even a game three on the road to where they're going to need him big time? Spencer Strider, we saw what he did in Philadelphia last year, giving up a grand slam to Reese Hoskins. So he's a guy that has to be proven here come October. So if there is a weak link to this team, and not to say that it's weak, I'm just using that with the air quotes. It's the starting pitching. We know the lineup is as good as it can be. The bullpen, I'll even give you that, although the back of the bullpen, the very back, is dubious. And the rotation, although they have a very good group and guys that you could probably rely on, but again, Atlanta, I understand it's not New York, Philadelphia, or Boston, but the pressure will mount, knowing that if this team wins... 105, 106 games that the bullseye is going to be squarely on this team. And yes, you could hearken back to two years ago. For the most part, a lot of these players are still there where they could look at that experience. And even last year, the disappointment of losing to the Phillies in that division series and trying to wipe that out and know that they could redeem themselves with a good postseason run and maybe get a second World Series in three years. But you do have the Dodgers that are going to be standing in the way. Maybe even the Phillies yet again. Although I know there's going to be a revenge factor there for Atlanta to try to erase what happened there in Philadelphia. Especially losing those two games the way they did. So there is some incentive there. But I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk to say the least for this team to get back to a World Series. So when we take a look and we have to wait another six weeks for this to really unfold and to 
kind of get the dust to settle and to see what the National League wildcard scenario is going to look like and how the matchups are going to play out. But we would think as of this moment, with a four-game lead in the National League overall, that the Braves will have the one seed locked, stocked, and get themselves ready for October to see whether or not that they'll have it in them to get back to a World Series the way they did two years ago. So do I think this team is that good? Yes, I do. But I don't know if this team is going to go back to a World Series with the snap of a finger. Not because of Dodgers, Phillies, but again, I got to look from within. That rotation, yes, we know Freed is good. Yes, we know that even if a guy like Spencer Strider, when he's on his game, he could just strike out with the best of them out there as he has a lot of high numbers when it comes to strikeouts, setting records early on this year. But it's not a guarantee that this team is just going to run through the National League just because they have home field, the best record, etc. And even with them winning a World Series two years ago, that it's going to be a formality that this team is going to punch their ticket and represent the National League in the World Series. And that's not me as a Met fan just trying to needle or get at the Braves here. Because again, what we've seen just this past week beating up on these bad teams, yes, we could look at this team to say, oh, wow. They are going to be, by far, head and shoulders above everybody else in the National League. Can't say that. The Dodgers have played very well. The Phillies, although 12 and a half games back, but we know the Phillies could get hot. We saw that last year, and not to say it's going to happen two years in a row. Really, do we see that in baseball? But the Phillies aren't afraid of the Braves. So, a lot of baseball to be played. Yes, we know the Braves are stacked. Yes, we know the Braves have done it in the past, and yes, the Braves are formidable as any team in the sport. And right now, by far, hands down, are the best team in the sport. And yes, they are that good. But are they that good to get through a National League, American League, and win the whole thing? I would say yes. Obviously, they're going to be a sizable favorite. But if you're going to ask me overall that, close the books, and let's start the parade march up whatever street it is in downtown Atlanta for them to crown themselves another World Series champ, I'm not going to say that. So we know how good they are, but I'm not ready to pencil them in the National League as far as them representing in a World Series. And remember this, even with the Braves playing as well as they have, the Dodgers are firing on all cylinders right now. They've won 10 in a row. They've beaten the Brewers who have made the trip out West to LA, and as we know, they're, I'm not going to say in a rock fight with the Cubs and Reds in the NL Central, but it's not as if they're trying to pull away from that division to at least have a September where, I'm not going to say they're going to coast, but at least they'll have a breathable, sizable lead. That's not the case. They're doing anything and everything possible to see whether or not the Reds or Cubs could go ahead and steal the division. And right now, we don't know the status of Marcus Stroman. It looks like he has this rib cartilage issue or fracture where he may not even pitch the rest of the year. So who knows what that means for the Cubs down the stretch. And I get it. The Dodgers, as I mentioned before, and I'll mention now, 10 in a row. And not to say that they're nipping on the heels of the Atlanta Braves, but they're not going anywhere either. And who knows if they're peaking at this point, considering that they're running away with the NL West as I speak. But... With what's going on in baseball, especially in the National League, and with those two teams where we would think they're going to end up in an NLCS, but we've seen crazier things happen. Just look back to last year when both the Braves and Dodgers 
were the top two seeds in the National League, and they were both ousted in the division series and nowhere to be found in NLCS. But who knows? Maybe they'll reconnect this year the way they did in 2020. And in 2021, when they both faced off against one another to see who would go to the World Series. The other big story in baseball, I touched on it a little bit Monday. But now, as the days have gone by since then, and the news, although alleged... And this is a very touchy subject, to say the least, when it comes to the Rays shortstop, Wanda Franco. Now, there were some social media posts by a girl who is underage, and she's not 16, 17 years of age, or about to turn 18, even younger than that, to the point where And again, this is all alleged people. I'm not trying to say this happened. Obviously, I'm not there. I don't know what's going on. Major League Baseball is investigating this to where Franco is on the restricted list. I talked about this on Monday, not knowing the extent where he left the ballpark early on Sunday before they made their trip out to San Francisco where they won two out of three by the Bay. And not having Franco, who is their best player. He's what, 21, 22 years of age. I believe he's 22 he signed that enormous contract, 11 years, $182 million, which could go up to $220 million when it's all said and done. We know that he was one of the top prospects coming out a couple of years ago, and a guy that has been in and out of the lineup, had some injuries, and had to be benched early this year. But we know that on a whole, when you think of the Rays, he's the one guy that's going to be the face of the franchise. And now with all these reports that have surfaced about this involvement with this young girl who is alleged, I believe, to be 14 years old. And who knows if the ins and outs, whether it's a money issue or money grab or a hush money or whatever it is, I am not privy to any of that. And I'm not going to broadcast to say that that's what it is based on something that I saw on an MLB page deep in the rabbit hole somewhere on the internet. But it certainly does not look good for this young kid, considering that in this day and age, you could talk about 40 years ago or 50 years ago when Don Johnson was dating Melanie Griffith, who Don Johnson was 22 and Melanie Griffith was 14. And of course, they have a daughter, Dakota, who I'm sure a lot of people know who she is, and she played in those Fifty Shades movies, etc. But besides all that, we're living in a day and age of 2023 that I don't even know if that would have been able to slide by in the 70s or 80s, let alone today. But if all these reports are true and the investigation that it's going to come out to where Franco, I'm sure he's going to be suspended indefinitely when these facts do come out. But you'd have to think that his career is in jeopardy too. Because I don't know how you come out of this looking good. And then I heard that maybe even another girl that's involved on top of that. It's just a sordid and downright eye-opening and almost incredulous story that you can't even wrap your head around. You just can't. A 22-year-old kid, and I don't want to hear that, oh, well, he's 22, he's young. You can't get involved with someone who's eight years your junior. All right, is he 17, about to be 18? That in its own right could be questionable, but again, 
if she's on the verge of becoming an adult, maybe you could look at that and say, all right, he's known her for X amount of years or whatever it is. And by any means, I am not the morality police at all. But when you're 22 years of age and you have the world in the palm of your hand, and I don't care from what part of the world you're from, because I don't want to hear this being the thing where, oh, this girl was from his country and they've known her for so long. I don't want to hear it. And this isn't a race thing. This isn't because of where he's from in the Dominican or whatever. I don't care if you're from the moon. If you're a Major League Baseball player, and sadly we've seen this in the past. Just look up Felipe Vasquez. The former pirate pitcher, who I believe has been sentenced, and I don't know where he is at this point, but look him up. You cannot engage with someone that young and expect to not have the world know about it. And as it was, we didn't know about it until just a few days ago, if all this is true. But to think, a kid who signed this big deal from an organization that doesn't even hand out these types of deals. In fact, they were averse to giving the long-term contract to any young player. But they knew that they have a potential and budding superstar in their hands. That if they locked him up early and gave him a team-friendly deal. Mind you, it's still almost $200 million when and over that when it's all said and done. And here it is that they figure, let's give the keys to the castle to this young kid. He's going to be the guy that we're going to rally around. That teams are going to want to, or players are going to want to come here to be on this team, to be a part of this culture, this organization that, although has not won a World Series, but they certainly have built themselves up to be one of the smart and top franchises in the sport. And now this happens, and you're going to probably cut bait when it's all said and done. Now, who would have known that Tampa, the flip side of that is, They had to know about this. I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if this girl's been around the locker room or has been coming out of the stadium or meeting in certain cities. We don't know that. And by any means, I'm not going to even speculate that. But this is just a terrible optic. If this is going to be the case where Franco is not only going to be suspended here, And you would think automatically that's going to happen. And it's going to be indefinite. Because until they sort this whole thing out, and they're sorting it out, I'm sure, as I'm here on this microphone, but this cannot end up good by any way, shape, or form. And until we get more details, until we get to see what is really going on behind the scenes, and I get it, this is a personal issue, we can't delve into that, but because of the sensitivity of it, and the age difference, etc. You would think that he could be out of this sport before he even started it. I mean, think about that. A young kid just throwing away his whole career. It has his literally his whole future ahead of him. And quite possibly, an all-star, maybe even Hall of Fame career could just go up and smoke based on this alleged relationship that he has with this young girl. If it's just the only one that we know of. I tell you. I know we may have witnessed and seen some things as fans. As people who are on top of what's going on in the sports world. And I know I mentioned Felipe Vasquez. Not too many people know who he is. He's a reliever on a team that plays in Pittsburgh. 
So it's not going to get a lot of scrutiny and it's not going to get a lot of pub. And granted that this isn't a big market we're talking about where we can really look at and put our fingerprints on and be like, wow, this is a bonafide superstar player that is in New York or LA or Boston, Philly, St. Louis, which obviously is a huge baseball hotbed where we could really look at it and say, oh my goodness, what is this going to come out of as far as it being a firestorm? It's Tampa. But still, this is a story that I'm sure is not going to go away and it's going to be around for some time. And who knows? We'll just have to wait to see how this is all uncovered and unpacked over the next few days, weeks, months, who knows? And boy, I don't know how this kid is going to be able to come out of this unscathed. As for what's happening on the field, pretty much status quo. Not a lot has changed here over the last few days when it comes to the division or even the wildcard races. I know when we take a look, the divisions, we don't have to talk about the National League East or West, as I mentioned. The AL and NL Central is also the same, where we could look at the Brewers and the Minnesota Twins as teams that you would think would come out on top when it's all said and done. But because they both have the slimmest of margins, maybe not slim, it's a little bit too strong, but they both have three-game leads. And in fact, I believe the Twins have a four-game lead in the Central. Actually, four in the loss, four and a half. So you would think when it's all said and done, they'll be fine. And the Brewers, because of their pitching, I understand that their offense is a bit from hunger as well. But when it's all said and done, I don't know if the Cubs are going to be able to overtake them. Same for the Reds. They'll probably hang around for a little while longer because of the Brewers not being able to at least win that 8-7 or 7-6 type of game. But the Centrals right now are stable. And then for the AL East, we can look at the Orioles and the Rays. They have a three game, but two in the standings. Three game in the loss, two in the standings with the Rays behind the Orioles. And then the Astros, three in the loss, just two and a half games behind the Texas Rangers who won two out of three over the last few days against the Angels, and Otani hit his 42nd home run for what that's worth there last night as they salvaged that series. But the wild card, as I mentioned on Monday, I don't know how much juice or how interesting that this wild card race is going to be, especially when you look at the National League, when you have the powers that be, no Cardinals, Mets, And maybe Padres, I know they're hanging around, but I wouldn't think that the Padres are going to make a run, barring some miracle. Usually teams, when they get this deep into a season, it's not as if they're going to be able to flick the switch and take off. And that's what I see with the Padres. And I get it, even the most optimistic Met fan that's out there, that they could say, well, when we look at the Marlins, Cubs, Reds, even Diamondbacks, they're not world beaters. They could certainly fall back to the pack. And even with the Mets currently eight games behind the Cubs, because the Cubs currently have the final spot, I understand they're tied with the Marlins and Reds for that final spot. But as of right this second, the Cubs are one percentage point over the Marlins and Reds. So they would be in the postseason if the season were to end. But those teams, I get it. You could look at them and say, either one of those teams, Padres and Mets, could go on a run. Uh Uh-uh. Forget about the Mets. There's no way. And even with the Padres for that matter, they're currently five under. And I understand that they did bounce back here in that series against the Orioles where they won the back two 
which was good for them. And they need anything that they could get right now to get themselves on track. And they do have Arizona coming in for four this weekend. So that's a huge series for both teams. But there's not going to be a lot of intrigue with those teams that are trying to make it to the postseason. Yes, they're small markets other than the Cubs that are making baseball look good at this moment. But even then, a lot of people may not rally around those teams to see whether or not that they make it into the postseason and you would think they're not going to go far into October based on their recent or maybe their overall track records and pedigrees. And in the AL, it's right now looking like it's the Red Sox, Mariners, Blue Jays for that final spot in the American League because the Rays have a two-game in the loss but three-and-a-half game lead, or excuse me, two-and-a-half game lead over the Astros for the four-and-five seed. And then the Blue Jays are... Three games behind the Astros. And then after that, it's Seattle. One game behind. And Seattle has played well, as we know. Red Sox, three games. And the Yankees are six games in the loss and six and a half back behind Toronto. And a huge series this weekend where the Red Sox go to Yankee Stadium. And not to say that they could put the Yankees out of their misery, but winning two out of three will certainly help as far as having some separation between them and the Yankees as far as The Bombers trying to catch them. And even if the Yankees were to sweep the Red Sox this weekend, they still wouldn't catch the Red Sox. They'll be a half game behind them because as we speak, they are three and a half games, four in the loss behind the Red Sox going into that series tomorrow night. And that's what you have. Who knows if this is going to be a compelling, riveting pennant chase as we get Closer to the end of the month, as we get into September and the final month of the season, sorry to say, right now it's looking like it is what it is. And hopefully there'll be a team that could upset that apple cart. Could it be the Padres? Could the Yankees all of a sudden catch fire? Dare I even say the Mets? <laughs> that's not going to happen. But And that's what will make this final six-week stretch one that the baseball fan and maybe even the sports fan could at least sink their teeth into if those aforementioned teams that are way on the outside looking in make a push into September and maybe compete for a wild card spot. Because other than that, it's slim pickings. So you know I'll be on top of it. We shall see as we go into the weekend. And other key series that I could look at here, we talked about Arizona-San Diego. Boston at New York. You have San Francisco at Atlanta. We know the Giants have been floundering a bit. The Brewers go to Texas. So look at that. They go to the NL West leader in the Dodgers, who they also played today before going to Texas. And then they'll go play the AL West leader in the Rangers. So interesting stretch for them. Seattle goes to Houston. That'll be a series to watch. And then you have... Miami going to L.A. As I believe they go to L.A. and in San Diego. So an interesting trip for the Marlins who lost 2 out of 3 to the Astros after beating them on Monday. So we'll see what happens there with the Marlins as they try to stay afloat there in the wild card for the National League. But that's what we have here as we head into the weekend. Another week that we could conclude and come back on Monday to recap it all as we now inch closer to the end of the baseball season. 
Now as I put on the helmet and shoulder pads as we go through the NFL and some training camp news and notes and here locally with the Jets as if there are not enough pressure or expectations considering that the Hard Knocks HBO camera crew have been rolling and I have not watched an episode as of yet. I know I had some time there earlier this week which I thought I'd be able to watch but I didn't and I did say here on the podcast that I would take a peek at it. And now that we're two episodes in, I still haven't watched one nanosecond of the famed HBO NFL Films collab where the Jets are front and center. And with this signing that the Jets were able to get on the dotted line for one Dalvin Cook, the former Minnesota Viking running back, it begs the question whether or not this team now had expectations from being just a wild card team or possibly a division winner to winning a first round and then getting to a divisional playoff where they may end up losing in Kansas City or in Buffalo, Cincinnati, etc. Does the stakes get ratcheted more because Cook is now brought on board for them to maybe even go as high as a championship game or dare I even say a Super Bowl? Now look, I'm not making Dalvin Cook out to be Emmitt Smith. But we know how dynamic of a runner that he is. And yes, he's had injuries over the years, whether it be an ACL or the shoulder injury that he had to get surgery on. And although it's a low-risk, high-reward because they only brought him in for one year, and whatever he makes is what he's going to make. And I believe it's, what, $6 base with incentives to be in upwards of, I guess, 8 to $10 So... I don't look at this as a bad deal from that perspective. But the one thing is, is that A, is he going to be able to stay on the field? B, how he's going to be deployed in this offense? Is he going to be a 20 to 25 carry a game back? Or are they going to utilize him more as a running back slash out of the backfield, be more of a pass catcher? We know he has that capability as well. And even with Brees Hall, off of the IR and although will be brought in slowly but surely, but I'm sure he's going to be gunning for reps and is going to salivate at the thought of not only playing in this offense, but also to piggyback from the small sample size but very productive one last year before tearing his ACL. So you're going to have a little competition there. But does this signing put this team, I won't say over the top, that's way too strong, But now, are the expectations that much more higher? The expectation being getting into the postseason, winning a wild card round, and then going to a divisional round where you may lose a tough game on the road in those aforementioned towns, KC, Buffalo, Cincinnati in particular? Or is it now championship game or bust? Is it a scenario where maybe they do win a division. Because Buffalo, although they're going to be the odds-on favorite to win the AFC East, but can they push them? And considering they're going to play them week one right out of the gate to see where they stack up against the Bills. I think that the pressure is going to mount whether Cook was there or not. Now, it does add another layer to it. But again, it's not as if he's the final piece of this puzzle. It's not as if you're bringing in a guy that's going to take them to the promised land. 
We know the capability and the ability of what Dalvin Cook can do, especially when he's healthy. And that is a big if, as we know. But I think that the stakes are already high for this Jet team to become at least 11-6, and six, whether that means they win a division, whether that's a wild card as a 5th, 6th, or even 7th seed in the AFC. And we know that they have to make the playoffs at minimum and at least win a playoff game. But I think with this signing here with Cook, and if he does contribute the way he has in the past, where he has become that Pro Bowl, All-Pro caliber player, you would have to think that to get to a division round is the minimum. Where championship round could be the height. Now, they would need a lot of breaks in the process to maybe even get to a championship game, let alone a Super Bowl. But I think if you're a Jet fan, you have to have your eyes minimum. Division game, and maybe even championship game for that matter. Because the defense, as we know, is going to be stout, probably top five in the sport. We know about the offense. I get it that the receivers aren't going to jump off the page the way you would like. Yes, second year for Garrett Wilson. Alan Lazard, who comes in from Green Bay. Randall Cobb. We get it. They're going to have all the positions. Now you bring in Cook to go along with Brees Hall. You would think this offense is going to be lighting them up, but we all know that the offensive line has been the key story for the Jets here in this offseason to where you have injuries, to where you have a guy that's looking to make his way back from those injuries, i.e. Makai Becton. And then you have other guys on that offensive line, whether your name is Dwayne Brown, whether your name is Elijah Vera Tucker. And this is going to be the focal point of making sure that Aaron Rodgers is going to stay up right here for 17 games and beyond. So the good thing about this Jet team is that it's not all on Aaron Rodgers. And what I mean by that is you're going to have to have Pro Bowl, even All-Pro caliber play from that position, as we know, if the Jets are going to have any success. But the good thing is it's not like Rodgers is going to have to carry this team throughout. Because you do have a defense that, let's say, if they cough the ball up deep in their territory or if Rodgers throws the inadvertent pick, where the defense can pick him up. This isn't just an offensive-laden, offensive-dominant type team. You have guys on defense that could lock down receivers or shut down opposing offenses or be able to keep the team in the game where, let's say, if the offense isn't on track for whatever the reason, that the defense could step up and take a stand and put themselves as far as being a team that could have that identity that it's not just all on Aaron Rodgers. So that's the one thing about this Jet team that you like, that it's not all going to be 100% on the shoulders of Rodgers to take them to the promised land. The defense is going to have their say. And we're going to have to see how that plays out here throughout the course of the season. But does this automatically mean that the Jets are a Super Bowl contender? Not at the moment, but we expect big things out of this team. And those big things, I would think, would be divisional round and maybe even AFC Championship. As far as signings and injuries and what's going on throughout the league, Ezekiel Elliott signs the one year with New England. I think that could be a big 
plus for the Patriots because it brings another back there to go with Ramonde Stevenson. So you have that two-headed monster. And as we know, Ezekiel Elliott is good in pass protection, which is going to be needed, especially for one Mac Jones. So I think that's a good landing spot for Elliott to see what he could do this upcoming year. As we know, hasn't had the best of years over the last few years there in Dallas, especially last year when you look at the numbers. But we all know in New England, it's not about the numbers. He wants football players. And maybe Elliott could thrive up there under Belichick and in that system. So we'll have to wait and see about that. His former teammate, Zach Martin, returned back to Dallas with a restructured deal, two years, $36 million guaranteed. So it keeps the All-Pro there and obviously keeps him happy because, as we all know, the Cowboys need him in the worst way to anchor that offensive line for Dak Prescott, Tony Pollard, and the rest of that offense. And as far as the injuries go, you've had a ton of receivers here recently where their name is Russell Gage in Tampa, who's going to be out for the year. The kid in Tennessee... Traylon Burks, who was carted off with an apparent leg injury, and the Titans, we know that they're going to need their offensive weapons as the offense can't just be all carried by one Derrick Henry. So that's one to keep an eye on there, especially if you're a Titan fan. And then you have Marlon Humphrey, who has needed foot surgery to where his absence is going to be indefinite, although John Harbaugh and company are saying that he's probably not going to be out for an extended period of time, but what does that mean? Is he not going to be out eight weeks? Is it only going to be six? It doesn't look like it's going to be the season, but they haven't given a timetable as to when he'll be returning. And that's one you're going to have to look for because the Ravens secondary is thin to begin with. And Humphrey, who I've seen and he's good, but I think he's a little bit overrated based on a lot of the accolades that Humphrey gets throughout the course of the league. But because he plays in the same division that my favorite team, the Steelers, play, And I haven't seen anything that's been just eyebrow-raising off the charts that this guy is one of the top two or three corners in the sport. I haven't seen that. Is he a good corner? Yes. Is he great? No. At least I don't think so. Not in my eyes. And I'm not saving that to tweet the Raven fan or to be anti-Raven to say the least. But I've watched the games. And we could go back to last year and go through a ton of games that they blew in the fourth quarter And I understand he was out for a lot of those in the latter part of the year. But again, Humphrey, good player, not great. But they're going to need him if the Ravens are going to have any success there, especially defensively. And they are a far cry from what they once were as far as being that physical, dominating, swarming type of defense that we've seen there for decades. So we'll see how Humphrey progresses here as we get closer into the season and beyond. And then you had some sad news. Speaking of... Ravens or former Ravens, Alex Collins, who is a running back that came out of Arkansas, died in a motorcycle accident in Broward County there in the Fort Lauderdale area. 28 years of age, way too young. I believe he last played as early as two years ago, but wasn't able to hang on to another team. Actually had some mild success there with the Ravens. I know he carved up the Steelers for a game there on a Sunday night many years ago, but uh, just some sad news. I understand he was a bit player on the team, but it doesn't matter. He lost his life, 28 years of age, just a terrible story. Thoughts, prayers, and condolences go out to his family, friends, and the NFL for that matter. And I kind of hate to land this plane on that note, but other than that, people, I got nothing else to discuss. We're three weeks away from the start of the NFL season. I know college football, as I talked about on Monday, now two weeks away. 
we're slowly but surely coming out of this dead zone period. And I've been surprised. I know we've had some peaks and valleys throughout the course of this summer, but we've had a lot of short podcasts here. And that's perfectly fine because I'm not going to manufacture or just babble away or even talk about yours truly trying to get through the summer. And I guess I could just to make it a little bit more personal. But if you want to get a personal touch about yours truly, that's going to be to come, especially on my YouTube page. So you definitely want to stay tuned as I'm going to have a vlog this coming weekend as I talk about the old Yankee Stadium grounds. And I know people are going to say, why is Jay Reels, who is a die-hard blue and orange Met fan, going to talk about the old Yankee Stadium? Well, it's not just for the Yankee fans in my life, but it's also for the baseball fans. So I'm putting that out there. Check YouTube. Go to my page, at J Reels. I plan to upload it this coming Sunday, so you'll get to view it. And I would love to get your feedback, your take, as far as... And again, this isn't a major production, people. I'm a one-man operation, as you know. It's just me, myself, and I. So it's not as if I have camera crews or big-time editing platforms and things of that nature. So I'm dabbling into the vlog world, and you're going to get to see it on that platform and also get more of a personal touch from yours truly as I'll go into some background stories about Yankee Stadium and how it affected me and so on and so forth. And I know you're going to say, Jay Reels, Yankee Stadium? Please, get over it, whatever. But I digress. Definitely want to check that out this coming weekend as far as that goes and any of the other content that I put out there. So that will conclude it. I appreciate your time, people. As always, it does not go unnoticed. Thank you so much for stopping by, carving out a few precious moments out of your day to listen to what it is that I have to say about what goes on in the world of sports. If you haven't done so, please subscribe, rate, review. I'm back up on Spotify. That's another thing because there was a little bit of a transition with some of the platforms and for whatever the reason, Spotify wasn't all their fault, but it erased a lot of the catalog and the followers the subscribers there where I was unable to get those back for whatever the reason. So if you wondered, hey, what happened to J Reels, the podcast there on Spotify, I'm back online. Please subscribe. Go rate it, review it, whatever you could do just to get the word out and increase the visibility. I would greatly appreciate it. And if you want to hit me up with a DM, question, comment, or suggestion, you could do so at the following. One more time, YouTube, at J Reels, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, the J Reels Podcast. Twitter, JReels1, just a number, or the old-fashioned way, the JReels Podcast at gmail.com, because whether you do or do not know, people, this is what I love to talk about. It's in the blood, it's in the DNA. I've been doing this for almost five and a half years, and as long as I'm alive, I'm going to do it until my dying day. Sports talk. This is what I love. Watching the games, following the games, behind the scenes, no matter what it may be, as I roll up my sleeves with nothing but fire, passion, Fury, energy, each and every podcast with my thoughts, opinions, feelings, critiques, praise, analysis on anything and everything that happens on the world of the diamond, ice, gridiron, hardwood, golf course, racetrack, tennis court, boxing ring, octagon, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. From the South Bronx, the South Beach, the South Central, the South Pacific, and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. And until next time on the J Reels Podcast, on the flip, baby.